Wertes in der Kleinstadt Winden ein Junge auf mysteriöse Weise verschwunden. Die Frage ist nicht, wer die Kinder entführt hat, sondern wann. Das Ende ist der Anfang. Und der Anfang ist das Ende. Tick, tick. Du wirst alles verstehen, wenn es an der Zeit ist zu verstehen. Tick, tick. Aber jede Entscheidung für etwas ist doch immer eine Entscheidung gegen etwas. Hello and welcome to Dark, a companion podcast to the Netflix TV series. I'm Mergles. I'm Acorn. And I'm PB. I'm so sorry you can hear the fucking litter. Just give it one, <laughs> okay, one okay, more okay. second. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> Please stop. Please stop. I'm leaving this in, by the way. You're not. <laughs> It's, I wouldn't mind. It's hilarious. And I'm PB. Shall we begin? Yes. Yes. Forbidden love. Forbidden love. Who lovers star-crossed? <laughs> Both alike in dignity. Yes. <laughs> yeah. In fair Verona, where we lay our scene. I can't. I can't. Go Just, on. Oh, no, <laughs> please <laughs> continue. He's <laughs> so good. People just tune in. They're like, oh, forbidden love. And it's just PB dramatic recital of Romeo and Juliet, <laughs> Romeo word for word. <laughs> There's also love, true love, <laughs> true love. <laughs> The usual spiel. Before we dive in, we just want to point out that this is They a companion. They fucking know by now. They okay. know by now. Well, that's fair. Right? Well, maybe, listen, what if they're like, hey, I want to listen to this podcast. You know what? I'm going to jump in on their 12th episode. <laughs> see what's what they're about yeah okay fair and also <laughs> uh, potentially there's like routine i feel like we say it mm -hmm. every single time now that people are kind of like oh i'll put i'll hit play i'll go do dishes and yeah, like it's true you know, so what if that's part of a routine what if we'd be screwing up somebody's routine by not saying it it's true you have to leave this in this existential spiral crisis here we go yeah <laughs> this isn't I even actually, an existential crisis but this is a crisis of like us messing with somebody else's routine Leave it is now a requirement <laughs> yeah i know that when i'm listening to a podcast that has a very like usual beginning i'll like say it along with them while i'm yeah. like, doing things so hello before we dive in just want to point out that this is a companion podcast and not a watch along so you definitely want to have watched the show in its entirety and be hungry for more discussion, more theories, and things like that. We've also chosen to run the podcast as more of a discussion between friends. Because nobody has any sneak peeks at each other's notes or anything like that, that means we won't always get everything completely right. But it should mm -hmm. lend for more surprises, and ultimately, we want you to feel like you're in our living room discussing right along with us. I wish we were all in the same living room. I know. Thanks, I do too. COVID. Oh. Sorry. One day when we can get together, we can do an actual live recording. How awesome recording? would that be? That would be that so would be good. incredible. I would love that. Today, we are going to be talking about forbidden love. Ah, true uh, love. Love. Marriage. <laughs> marriage. Brings us together here. <laughs> Today. <laughs> Today. <laughs> But unfortunately, this is not the type of marriage love that we're going to be talking about. We're talking specifically about two couples, Peter and Bernadette and Agnes and Doris. Do we have housekeeping? Yes, we do. <gasps> Ooh. While I was editing, I had a moment that it, it's less how, housekeeping and more like taking note of something that we've discussed before, how it's just this beautiful thing that we do where we come together and we put something on the table and then we create something amazing together with it. I was experiencing that live as I was editing where I initially 
gave us that picture of the Hellenistic poster with the three planets and the blowing winds and all of that, just to illustrate the fact that there was astrological influence. But then Mergles picked up on the details in that poster. And then we like spiraled into this incredible discovery together. She was like a bloodhound with a scent. She was like, <laughs> exactly. It was, I was like, I'm it sorry. Was beautiful to behold. She was like, <laughs> no, I just can't. No, you know, it's like that, that itch in the back of your mind that you just can't scratch. She, yeah, she wouldn't let I go. I totally derailed. <laughs> it was, was like, beautiful. I know you guys have lots to say, but is this derail? <laughs> No, I love it because, I mean, like I said, I just brought it to illustrate the heliocentric map and hermetic astrology and it's tied to dark and then move on. And then we stuck on it and found out these incredible ties. So anyway, that was just more a comment. I love that we do that. Mm -hmm. Also related to the poster, thanks to SK, who also was the brain behind our radio wind and handle on Twitter, like we've mentioned in a previous episode. We found out where the blowing winds come from. No. What? Found, he found the original art where it was pulled from. So let me get you the link. Oh, Stop yes, it. please. Okay, here it is. So it comes from something called the Tabula. Brasa? Anamographica. Oh, And then a bunch of other Latin. <gasps> and of course, we're going to include this in the show notes, even though this mm-hmm. is referring back to our last episode about hermeticism. But if you follow this link in our show notes and enlarge the picture, look at the top left. And that is the face of the man, the bearded man blowing wind. Yeah. However, he does not have the sun on his forehead, like we yes, discussed in the episode. Uh, wow. Whoa. If you also look in the bottom right, I think that's where they got inspiration for the woman, but the woman's a little different. Yeah, the woman very clearly looks like, yeah, that's so cool. So that's super interesting because as far as I know, I don't think I'm completely off in saying that imagery of people blowing air or like gods blowing wind from their mouth is like, I feel it's been used a lot. I'm curious about like, what is the symbology? What is the meaning behind someone blowing wind? I mean, influence is one of those things, which is something we discussed last episode. But is it like a a way to represent energy transfer or a way to represent the elements, natural elements, natural earth, that kind of thing? Yeah, I think it depends on where it's coming from. And I think with this one in particular, it's referring to or it's mapping out the direction of the winds for like navigation. Yeah, it seems very navigational. I think that's definitely something that we should that I I might look into then is how many instances elsewhere is that used and how, what is it like most frequently used to represent? If it's navigation, then that's also very very interesting because at this point I'm not entirely sure that it, like frankly any imagery that they put in I can't imagine is just like oh this looks cool and authentic, let's throw it yeah. in there. Yeah. Um, Everything's so, done with a purpose for sure. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So we could even table that and do some more research and come back to it. Like we said in our last episode, we just barely scratched the surface with Hermeticism. And if anyone of our listeners writes in with some more details about Hermeticism, we'll of course revisit this. So Mm -hmm. I do highly stress that you go look at the show notes, though. We've talked about this in the past. It is on thegeekgeneration.com slash dark slash show notes. And Mm -hmm. each individual episode has its own set of show notes, which includes a screenshot includes screenshots, um, different links to things. So everything we talk about on this podcast, you can find on thegeekgeneration.com. Yep. Lovely. Awesome. And that's pretty much it. That was the the last little find for the housekeeping. Okay. Yes. 
Do we want to read an email then? Yeah. Okay. It's mail time. It's mail time. Hello, I'm the mailman. While you're looking for that, I'll, I'll just mention that we are doing uh, Radio Winden episodes, which are mini-sodes in between. Uh, when we get some time, we're doing it in between our regular episode recordings. So uh, if you don't hear your message or letter uh, read here during the regular episodes, it's chances are it's probably being covered uh, in the Radio Winden. And thank you so, 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 so much for sending them. We read and love each and every single one. Well, I haven't read them yet because the mailman waits to read them live for us, but (laughs) we are going through them all. We're going through each and every one. So thank you so much. Yes. Okay. Hello. I have mail. Okay, so this email is from Karen. Hello, ladies. Hello, Karen. Hi, Karen. Hi. First off, thank you for existing. Reddit led me to your podcast. I know. (laughs) Reddit. Reddit led me to your podcast. what? Yes. Which Reddit post, Karen? (laughs) (laughs) Why is it such a dream to get, like, recommended on Reddit? I don't know. know. I don't know. Reddit led me to your podcast, and I'm so glad it did. I 100% feel that I'm sitting in your living rooms, squealing (gasps) about the show. I am also a devoted follower of Noah. My dying wish will be for Mark Washka to get in character and recite me my final rites. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Anyway, speaking of Noah, I loved your episode on color. I don't think you mentioned this, but in season three, episode two, we see another instance of red, and it is Noah's face mask. When he has an exchange with Elizabeth in the abandoned Convault house, the red in his face mask slash scarf has a nice contrast with the dark tones of the scene. I love this man. Can't wait to hear future episodes. Please take care. Best Karen. Wait, wait what is he saying in that scene? Because red means unchangeable truth, right? Yeah. So no, blue, blue was Uh, truth, but red was the thread, right? Yeah. The unchangeable fate. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a fixed moment in time. I wonder what he's saying in that scene. What she said it was episode. Uh, Season three, episode two. All of us pulling up Netflix right now. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, it's called the survivors. Oh man. Super interesting. Oh, there he is. I found him. Okay. Oh yeah. He like, oh yeah. This is when he first interacts with her and she asks him where he lives. And he said the caves and he tells her or asks her who she's looking for. And she says, my mom and my sister. Oh, wow. He is wearing a red face mask. Wow. Yeah. I missed that. I completely forgot about that. Good catch, Karen. Oh my God. Yeah. Really That's awesome. I mean, I do love the fact that the things that they're talking about are the caves which is the root of everything in the show. And then also her mom and her sister, because especially with Charlotte and Elizabeth, there's that closed loop. Yeah. The snake eating its tail. Yeah, that fixed moment. The fixed moment, moment. yep. It's also crazy because like, I think that's the first time they see each other in the post-apocalyptic world. Yeah, since the bunker. Yeah, can one of you screenshot that and we'll put it in the show notes? Yep, putting it in the chat right now. That was our email from Karen. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. Such, Great, a, Karen. such a good catch. Yeah. Good catch. So yeah. So let's talk about Forbidden Love. Yes. I was thinking we could we could start with uh, Agnes and Doris. If okay. That was all right. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, um, you're leading the way. I would like to say that what I find interesting about these these two love stories, which is something that I loved about them in the show, was that they are. LGBTQ relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the only two of them in the show. I felt as though they they really just sort of 
in many ways, not only narratively, but emotionally sort of sit outside of place and time and to some extent. Yeah. Maybe that's me romanticizing it. But when you see Agnes walk in and like when Doris and Agnes meet and they have that eye contact, I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> so just to go through uh, a quick timeline of Agnes and Doris's relationship quite loosely. Agnes uh, comes to live with Doris Tiedemann, uh, Doris and Egon. Egon and Doris are saving money to send their daughter off to college eventually. So they decide mm -hmm. to take on a roommate, uh, or not a roommate, but decide to take on tenants in their house. And Agnes comes with her son, Tronte, to live with them. She says that her husband was a priest and is no longer living. And there is a Does she say he's no longer living? Yeah, 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 she does. She, she implies he's dead, right? Yeah, okay, she yeah. does imply he's dead. Hmm. Dead to her? See, now, do, do we think she... Now, we have a whole episode on Agnes, though, don't we? Yes, we do. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, never mind. I'll ask this question later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's that's one thing that we'll say is that um, we are going to be doing a full episode on Agnes, so we might be a little bit agnes light in terms of this episode. We will be diving deeper into Doris, uh, Peter, and Bernadette, just because this will be our Doris peanut... Uh, Doris Peter Bernadette episode. Yeah. <laughs> Doris Peanut Butter Dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, it could be a song. It could. They have an immediate connection, which I find very, very beautiful. And I think at this point, through these episodes, we've been talking about the line of fate and the attraction of fate. Yes, Peeves. No, you first, okay. uh, but I do have something to say when you're done. Okay. <laughs> I was just going to say, uh, yeah, so we talk about, I think now I've become convinced, especially when we talked about Hannah in our mini-sode, that these relationships are to some extent driven by the cycle. I feel pretty convinced mm -hmm. now that this element of fate is very intertwined with these characters. So there is a sense of tragic beauty to that. Um, I think that when they do see each other, they have that connection and moment because they are meant to have that connection and moment to some degree. And they very quickly fall into uh, an affair. Peeps, what were you going to say? It was sort of similar to that, especially after last week's episode. I am also convinced that, I mean, everything has a purpose in the show. We know that already. But after last week's D discovery of that crazy you know painting and both sides light and shadow like you know blowing on the dark side and finding out you know maybe that's why they called the show dark and these two worlds yearning forever to become one even yeah. though they've been separated i think that the I, I there's no doubt in my mind that the creator sat down and went here are the themes that we want repeating over and over in the show here are the themes that we want repeating over and over in each character so to mm -hmm. me the idea that no matter what happens peter and bernadette end up together yeah is because in the origin world in the world where they are all whole they are together yeah. you know the these this repeating forbidden love or this repeating cycle like even Jonas and marta their love is also forbidden so you know i know we're the episodes about forbidden love but we have so many episodes about the two of them later so don't worry we're gonna again be a little bit light on them but you know even them it's like they're saying the love is forbidden, but they're trying so hard to make the world whole again, yeah. which I really like. Even the idea that Francisca and Magnus had an instant connection to each other. Mm -hmm. I think that it's kind of, 
I think it's all metaphorical for, you know, two worlds trying to become whole again. The, I think the, that's it's genius. trying to repair itself. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm super yeah. on board 100%. with that. It feels super correct, I think, to say that. Um, and even just thinking about everything from that perspective in this show, this idea of almost a law of physics, of a law of yes. time, a law of universes, the desire and need for that to be whole again to really like repair speaks, itself yeah. yeah really speaks to almost a human condition as well yeah, the, so the human condition to yeah. feel whole again yeah. the question is is wholeness something that we are ever to inherently feel i'm not sure but yeah. you know i think it's it's something that maybe the reason why we see the show and see the relationships in the show as so real and extraordinarily human is because we share that need, that drive in our lives to make the timeline whole, whatever that timeline is. Maybe it's yeah. something, you know, cosmic about us. I like that thought. I like that too. It's a very uplifting thought. Yeah. Really? It makes me kind of depressed. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> well, I guess, I guess it's uplifting depending on how you feel the like possibility of wholeness to actually be obtained well i mean even if it's not obtainable the idea that there is some sort of you know timeline that you're in inherently trying to bring together or you know you're trying to make a piece whole it, it means you're part of something bigger and personally i'm um, I fall more on the existential line where I don't believe that life has any meaning except for the meaning we give it. Yeah. Um, you know, I personally don't believe in an afterlife. I think, you know, when it's over, it's over. Um, so I'll, uh, all we have is, is right now. So I think for the most part, uh, that can be pretty depressing. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So the, the idea that we're trying to connect and become whole together, but that everybody has that feeling yeah, that's a little hopeful to me. That's yeah, in some ways better than the alternative. That's true. I think that's, yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. There's this song. I don't know if you know this song. It's called The Origin of Love. It's from Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Yeah. It, this episode like brings that song to mind for me. Should basically, probably include it in the show notes. Yeah. We'll yeah. include it in the show notes. Uh, basically to give a rundown on it, it's, it's this idea that there were, um, Three, three people, the people of the moon, people of the sun and people of the earth. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, there were three, three. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the exact way that it goes, but something along the lines of the people of the earth were split in two. They were two people wrapped into one and then they were split in two because the gods were jealous of their unity and so essentially the idea is that your soulmate is just the other half of you that was split from you. Yeah. Love. I love that. That's I do. I do really love that. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, a soulmate out there exists for you and uh, it is, you're trying to become whole again. I don't think I believe that. Yeah. Personally, <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> but it's a nice thought. It, it's, it's yeah. good. I like it. I don't mean that in a dismissive way. Like that's a nice thought as in, I do find comfort in it. I genuinely yeah. do find comfort in thoughts like that. I think, I think, unfortunately, the reality for me is that I feel like you can, you can have someone that feels like a soulmate because everything that makes you, you are, it's crazy. The amount of things that happen to you in your life, your thoughts, your feelings. And because of that, every person feels 
so unique. Like it, it, it feels impossible to break down each individual person into all of the things that make you who you are. So when you find somebody that is very close, like down to a 0.1% difference, it yeah. feels like your soulmates. And it, yeah. while I do think that there is, there are many of those in the world, your odds of finding them are so infinitesimally small yeah. that when you do, it's like, you, you know, your odds it are you're only like going to... It feels like a miracle. It feels yeah. like a miracle and you're only going to ever find the one, right? That's what it mm -hmm. feels like. But that's just because the world is so big and it's so vast. And I think it's so much easier to potentially find that person now that the internet is a yes. thing. Yes. Um, you know, I, I happen to feel like I found my person because of the internet. So I'm for that. I'm very grateful. But it's like... In, in that way, I do believe in soulmates, but I don't think I believe that there's only one. I yeah, do think that right. it's like, for me, it's a matter of math and science. Like yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, because when, when I look at like, you know, my partner and I have such a similar upbringing that it's a no-brainer as to why we both feel such comfort in each other. Yeah. Um, so it's like, to me, it's that. It's like all that that math and all those numbers that add up to us being very compatible for each other. But I think there's probably other people out there that are as equally as compatible to both of us. Um, but the odds of finding that person are pretty low because yeah. the world is massive. And yeah. Well, it's funny because I find, I will say that I don't know if I think that Agnes and Doris are soulmates. No. But I certainly think that Peter and Bernadette are. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Well, because yeah. we see Peter and Bernadette in the, you know, in the origin world. I guess, yeah. is that what we call yeah. it? The final yes. world is yeah. the origin, the origin world. world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thanks, Brain. Uh, yeah, so in, <laughs> we see them in the origin world at dinner, right? So they yeah. will, they're they always trying to right the wrong in the universe. They're trying to bring the, the they're trying to bring the worlds together. And mm -hmm. I think that's, I think that's a really cool perspective. But of course, we don't see that with Doris and Agnes because Agnes won't exist. Which, can we talk about potentially how traumatic that was for me to think about this week if agnes wasn't mean? there for well did doris did doris ever have her moment of realization it was a hard time to be gay back then yeah oh true did, oh, did, was yeah. she stuck in the marriage well ugh. yeah wow i hope not because well we see we see her after she finds out that egon has been having an affair she says she wants a divorce and she but says i don't think that's why I think she wants the divorce. Like, I think... I think she wants the divorce because be she was Agnes. holding everything. I think she was holding yes. everything down, trying to convince herself she could hold everything down. And when she realized that this one thing was already gone, she was like, I'm free. Like, I can... Do you know what I mean? She... I think she yeah, at I that point was know like... If I, I don't know if I agree. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. I feel like... She was in this relationship with Agnes. She was in love with Agnes. And I don't know if she thought that that was okay. Right? Like, I don't know if she was punishing herself staying in this relationship because she thought she didn't deserve happiness or that she didn't deserve, you know, being with Agnes or that being mm -hmm. with Agnes was wrong or a sin. Right? Yeah. She was a huge churchgoer before. So we know that that's, that can have a very big impact on you know, coming out or coming to realization of your own sexuality. So I don't know. And then I think the affair was just like, I don't know. I think it was just, I think she probably would have done it either way. You mean like she would have left Egon either way? I think she would have left him either way. Yeah. I think she was, 
I think she was really scared about Agnes not coming back and yeah. being missing. And I think, I think she would have eventually left him either way. It's just when yeah. she found out that information, she was like, well, my heart's not in it either. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just going to release us right. both. Yeah. And I'm inclined to say it would have happened anyway, just maybe a couple years later and for a yeah. different reason. Yeah. Because yeah. if Agnes didn't exist and if H Hannah never time traveled to have an affair with Aegon, there's nothing to push her in that direction. But I would like to think that she would eventually come around to understanding herself and making some sort of move to like self-realize that. Yeah. But the thing is, is like a lot of the times you, you don't, a lot of the time you can't and you don't yeah. because think about yeah. it. Like she's, she's brought up one way. She might not understand why she feels wrong or weird, you know? I, yeah. Like, and that's I, the term that you think when you're thinking that. And I'm yeah. saying that because from my own personal experience growing up in an extremely, you know, religious upbringing and feeling wrong yeah, or mm -hmm. broken in some way. And it's like a lot of the times you don't really realize how good or how right you can feel until an Agnes walks through your front door yeah. and you're like, oh, I can breathe again. <laughs> yeah, right. So right. it's, yeah, it's like, I, I agree. It's so hard to, to self-realize. And I mean, I'm, I've been in situations where I've spent years, like a ridiculous amount of years believing one way, and then something will happen and it will be a catalyst to yeah. push me mentally into a different direction. And then I'll realize what I should have realized all along, but it just took me a while. Yeah. And I mean, I, so that's where I think I'm coming from when I say, I think she would have eventually realized she just would have needed a different catalyst. And I mean, I'm just going to throw it out there. This was 1953, right? She was yeah. what? 30 something. The yeah. women's lip movement started in the 1960s. That's only 10 years later. Yeah. So she could have easily been in a relationship or in a marriage with Aegon for 10 yeah. more years. And then women's lib started to really catch fire in the public sphere. And then she would have started having these realizations. And I, I mean, I, I have heard personally of so many stories from that era of women who come out and realize that they are gay, like in their 50s, 60s, and then live a very fulfilling life for the rest of their life. But they've lived a heteronormative life before that. It just took yeah. a while. It took something yeah. to bring that awareness to them. Uh, I like that. I personally want to subscribe to that for Doris because I love her and I, I want, I love that for her. Uh, so let's just, in my head canon, Doris is one of the stars of a secret love. Yes. Yeah, there you go. There you Perfect. go. Yes. Yes. Which is strange because that's kind of our theme for today is that, you know, forbidden yeah, love. Right. That's a secret love. But yeah. She got a roommate. Uh, mm -hmm. that her and her, after that her roommate, divorce, yeah, after her divorce, her, uh, yeah. nice yes, roommate. I love this narrative. Let's go. <laughs> yep. yep. And then, uh, Doris and, then and Dolores and, and, and they found oh my God, yes. together. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I subscribe it. to I that hundred percent. Yeah. Just to make sure everyone is on, is on the same page. A secret love is a Netflix documentary that we mentioned a few episodes ago. So if you yeah. did not go watch it, we again, recommend that you do. It's a beautiful story about two women who met each other through baseball or softball of all things and uh, lived the rest of their lives together. And it was beautiful. Yeah. It's very, very it was good. So beautiful. Yeah. Bring tissues. <laughs> yeah. But yeah I so I, that's kind of the, that's what sent me into like a sad spiral actually this week when I was thinking about it, I was like, Oh, okay. So what are the differences between Peter and Bernadette's forbidden love and Agnes and Doris? Mm -hmm. And the, yeah. the irony here is that, 
Peter and Bernadette's is the unchangeable moment in time. It's the red thread of the two. But we don't see red with the two of them. We only see it with Agnes and Doris with the red dress and things like that, right? And I think that's because, you know, it's the fixed moment in time to maintain the loop, not to reunite the worlds. So, and I think that's interesting, but... It, it did. It did make me sad to think that where is Doris in all of this? Wait, hold on. I just had a thought. Mm-hmm. It might be a stretch, but I think the only other person that wears pink is the only people in the show who wear pink are Bernadette and Claudia. I think you're right. And I wonder if there's like because a connection they're outside because the they're outside timeline. the loop. Yeah. Holy crap. Yes. I wonder if there's something now, wait to a minute. that. Wait, I bet there's something to that because I'm thinking of the uh, jacket that Katarina wears, but Katarina survives outside the timeline too. That's uh-huh. true. And yeah. I want to say, yeah. Han, doesn't Hannah wear like a pink coat or a scarf or something? She I know she wears that, red. that knit scarf. It's like, red. Not it's red. red. Is it red? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. She also wears a red dress, I think, to the party. Uh, she to, does. Like, yeah. Dinner party. Yeah. The anniversary. Um, oh, but she wears a red dress to the anniversary party for the Nielsen's. Yes. I like where you're going with this because pink <gasps> is something that's an underrepresented color. But doesn't yeah. um, doesn't Bernadette have like a pink umbrella? No, that was a yellow umbrella. She's she's wearing pink somewhere outside. She has her a color. pink. Yeah, she has a pink um fur like faux fur jacket. That's what it is. Yes. Yeah, which is a very big statement piece. And then I'm fairly certain Claudia is wearing pink. Uh huh. Nice. Cilia, like 80s oh, pink. I think Celia is wearing a pink jacket at one point. It might be a stretch, but you know. Yeah, it's it's something worth looking into because we didn't look at pink per per se in our color theory episode. Yeah. So, but, but we know they've put color theory into the show, so I don't think it's a stretch to say right. they would go ham and we just missed some of it. You know. So yeah. I think that um, it's interesting. I'm looking at uh, pink is going to be a hard one to look at the actual color theory because it's changed so much over time like pink used to be yes. a, a, a man's color and i'm using air quotes for that <sighs> boys used to wear pink and then now it's it's more associated with you know women so it, it could be it could be and femininity it could be that and that's you know why bernadette's wearing that but also i'm seeing in the use of film uh it's talking about either nurturing or complete unconditional love which Ooh. i think is kind of interesting yeah that's an interesting take. I would want to look more into it rather than in an initial Google search because color yeah. theory is, is you'll get like one website saying something and the actual, I want to go look at the Cambridge, you know, reviews <laughs> yeah. on color theory and psychology yeah. uh, versus uh, that yeah. other stuff. So I, fi- I find that very interesting. I just found a Reddit yeah. post that links or that says the main instances of pink in, in dark and it's Bernadette's pink oh, coat. Regina's pink robe. Regina's I was just going to ask if Regina yes. has it yep. because she's right. also outside the timeline. Yep. And then Katarina's outfit, 1986. Yep. So oh my fucking all God. of those people are outside the timeline. That is yes, so cool. Yeah. And you could honestly think about those characters and think about how they interact with their relationships. And they are people who have, I mean, Katarina does not have the healthiest relationship with Ulrich, but you can tell there is some unconditional love there to some extent. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh-huh. She's ride or die. Right. Yeah, so exactly. yeah, totally yep. makes sense. Yeah. And Regina's that way too. Mm-hmm. Uh, with with her relationship with Alexander. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so oh, that's man. super interesting. That is so cool. That is such a neat thing to think about. Yeah. So jumping off on the color thing, Mm-hmm. I'm going to go back into Agnes and Doris and share something that I was a little disappointed to fall into, which is the more I thought and analyzed their relationship, the more I moved from 
believing they were a love story to viewing it as a manipulative relationship that was fueled by the timeline. And so to bring the color in immediately, Agnes wears a red dress as well as a yellow dress. We've talked about the red dress I know. I see your face, PB. And a blue dress. Oh, from... She wears all. She wears all. She three wears colors. all of now, them. Now, wait a minute. Yes. Uh, w- what's really important here is what is happening in those scenes during exactly. each of these but moments. The yellow because... dress was the biggest one, and we landed on yellow. That's being... deception, right? Yeah. Deception. Yeah. Yes. What is she, what's happening with the yellow? <gasps> she gives oh, Doris no! the yellow dress. She gives oh, her the dress no! that Doris wears. No. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God, and I think that's when I that's when it oh, fell apart for me and I just no. felt like gross and sad for Doris. So I'm glad that we established her headcanon with her and that she was she lived a happy life. She went through women's yeah. lives. She found her, herself a partner like I subscribe to that. But oh, like now I'm how much heartache. Yeah. Oh, no. Now I'm so, thinking about all the instances. And like when Claudia talks to talks to Agnes in the basement and is like, you know, she really loves you. You could have a life together. And then she like totally betrays her regardless. And like, yeah. we don't we, yeah. I think I interpreted that as like she wants that with Doris, but is going to, you know, still follow the thing that she was planning. But now with you saying that now I'm like. But if she didn't care about Doris at all and was just like, I need to sow discord in order to. Okay, so, yeah, let me talk about that for a second, because where I think I finally landed is she did develop feelings for Doris, but it wasn't to the point where it made a difference. She was still a slave to the timeline, to the loop. And so, you know, everything happens for a reason. She was following orders, I think, ultimately. And so like just to lay out a couple of very specific things, her coming to Winden means she brought Tranta to meet Yana. She seduces Doris to help drive a wedge between Doris and Aegon. So and then also as a result of that, Aegon was uh, able to cheat with Hana and that resulted in Celia. She formed that wedge to the point where Doris left. Aegon became an alcoholic and that inspired Ulrich to become a policeman because Aegon was so inept at being a policeman because he was just such a wreck. Also, that one very specific moment where she did the Nielsen thing and she said to Doris, you're beautiful instead of I love you. And I found a couple screenshots and I swear to fucking God, the way that Ulrich is holding Hannah's like cheek in that first scene when he tells her I love you is the same way he... Agnes holds Doris's cheek no. in that scene when she says, "I, I, you're beautiful." Yeah, can, can, I think I said okay. the wrong thing before, but yeah, yeah. Two, two things. Can you post those in the Discord so that I may weep over them? Second thing, yes. uh, when it's, I'm super curious about to go back to what you said about the colors and the dresses. Yes. Do we know? So we know that uh, the yellow dress is a lie, right? So what what is she saying when she's wearing the red dress, and what is she saying? when she's wearing the blue dress because blue is the truth so i'm very curious to see what's happening and what yes. is the context of the blue dress she man um, this is such a mind oh no it's identical oh. is it really it's identical oh, no. they're even wearing this no 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 yeah. no Credit for that specific screenshot goes to a Reddit user. Thank you so much. Do you have the Reddit user's name? My God, my goodness. Mbug. Mbug, thank you for ruining our lives. (laughs) Okay, so so she 
she's wearing she wears the red dress when she first comes <gasps> to Winden. She's and wearing she the, meets, she's wearing the yellow dress in this scene. Yeah. When she tells her she's beautiful. Oh, she is. Mm-hmm. She's lying to her. God damn it. I hate Agnes now. I hate her. <laughs> I loved her. So and now me, I hate her. <laughs> let me let me like try Why to bring this back doing? in just a little bit. <laughs> let me like try to throw her a bone and redeem her. Yeah. No! So my uh, the other part of my thought was I I feel like there was some sort of true love there, not like true love as in like meant to be together fate, but as in she really did have feelings for Doris because yeah. just think about when she left Wyndon. She did have that conversation with Claudia in the bunker where Claudia said, you could stay with my mother and you could be happy together. And she has that moment where she has an, an expression on her face, almost like she pauses and thinks about that. But then she ultimately goes back to Sigmundus and becomes a soldier, etc. Think about the way we see her in season three. She's almost utilitarian. She's almost like not a person anymore. All of that vibrancy and expression and beauty that we see in season two and one, it's not there anymore. She even has her hair like braided in one of those crowns where it's out of the way. It's pulled together. It's almost like militaristic in the clothing that she wears. And everything she does is almost like in a defeated soldier following orders way which makes me think she's almost mourning the loss let me ruin this okay okay because her hair is at the end the same as it is when she is young and so i wonder if that is the real oh Agnes. shit and i wonder if maybe oh, her man. like yep. colorful hair you know like beautiful is a facade to make doris fall in love with her or it's the reverse everything else is conforming to societal norm And that one time with Doris is the fleeting, true Agnes. However, because of the color theory, I'm willing, I think I'm leaning more on the other side. Yeah. There's just so much evidence now, I feel like. We've got the yellow dress, which we know means it's a lie. But before we were thinking it's a lie because of, you know, timeline. We weren't thinking she was purposely trying to deceive her. But I think I'm more inclined to believe she's like a spy. You know, she's going, she's doing her her deceiving and she's doing what she needs to do to, you know, and then think about what Trant says about his mother. I don't care if she dies either. Right. Like he's very dismissive of Agnes. Like she's not a good That's person. Damning. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, and we, right. and remember when, she when we leaves. had the idea that he had Agnes like those scars one, on her yeah. and we, yeah. I interpreted it as she was abusing him. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I want to say, and I didn't go back and watch this, um, this scene, but I saw it mentioned somewhere. He, he uh, has a scene at, at the table in the Nielsen house, which was at that time the Tiedemann house, where he was sitting at the table and he pulls up his arms and he first reveals to the audience the burns. But then later he's talking to Yana and I want to say he shows her his scars and mentions that that happened at the home. Yeah. But doesn't she say something? He says something like, I don't, I wouldn't mind if it was my mother either, right? He does say he doesn't care. It's after she leaves and they come home and they find Aegon uh, drinking at the table and it really comes to light that, yeah, they're all gone. Agnes is gone. Doris is gone. And he's like, I don't care. So it's interesting to me because I wonder if, I wonder if Trant is mirroring uh, Francisca's everything is a lie in that moment. You know, where he's like, I wouldn't mind if it's her because her love for me isn't real either. Like, none of her is real. Yeah, that's that's wild, man. That's a wild thing to think about. And it is is absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. Because poor Doris. 
I mean, we say poor Doris, but she did kind of realize who she was and she did have the power to leave a marriage that wasn't right for her through all of it. So yeah, it is a bit traumatic, but hopefully it's something that propels her forward. I am trying so hard. I have found the scene where she is wearing blue Mm -hmm. and Doris is wearing yellow and it's she's wearing blue when she gives Doris the yellow dress and she's trying it on. Yeah, she's she's, trying it on. And the truth uh, is in the deception. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Let me let me see what she says. I feel like it's super important now. Yeah. She says, you're beautiful. The queen would be glad to have you visit. And then she's like, no, what would Egon say? And she says, what could he say? So listen, I wonder then if that means there's truth in it's a deception, but there is truth in what she's saying. You are beautiful because she is. That's where I'm getting. Yeah. yeah that's what she's I not think. committing herself by saying, I love yeah. you. Yeah. I'm yeah. in love with you. It's just recognizing her for the beautiful person that she is. Yeah. Man, that's. Oh, man. I love that we were super Doris and uh, Agnes. <laughs> and Agnes. True love here for the first, you know, 16 flipping episodes of this podcast. And now we've just had a mind explosion. But. I do think I'm I'm leaning more on the side that it was deception all along. <gasps> okay, well, she okay, well, she's wearing this blue dress and mm-hmm. she's like clipping Doris into the yellow dress. She's talking about her ex-husband and she says he he's gone and she says and now I'm free and then she puts her head on Doris's shoulder and cuddles in while she's wearing the blue dress. But she's given her a yellow dress, right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I I interpret that as being her enjoying the moment of this is where I am in the timeline. The past is behind me. I'm free. And in this moment, I'm free to be myself in this pocket of time. We could go down this road forever, I think. Yeah, yeah. and we probably Um, should for her episode because we do have an Agnes episode. So we'll probably do that then. But we can fully analyze. I think that's a good thing to like jump into is really analyze. Okay, what is the evidence that she was deceiving the whole time and all that stuff? Because I I think we'll talk about this more on her episode, but I don't think she even had a husband. I think that's a lie. Yeah. She had Trant with the unknown. Yeah. And so I think it was probably more like mechanical. Yeah. I think she was aware of what was going on and who he was and what the meaning was because she was so deep in Sigmundus that when she went into like normal society, she just translated the weird relationships into terms that normal people would understand, Mm -hmm. like husband. And then because it was the time frame that it was, she said, he's dead. I'm not running away from him because I could go to jail for that. I think... Again, you might want to cut this because we might want to bring it up in in her episode. But I actually think she specifically, especially now with what you've just said, I think she's specifically saying husband because she knows it will resonate with Doris and she's trying to get Doris to leave her marriage. Yeah, that's true. true. I think she's saying my husband and he's dead. Yeah. And I'm free. Yeah. I think it's all manipulation now. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, I will say, I wonder... Uh, they talk about how Trant was in a home. Was mm-hmm. the home Sigmundus? I'm wondering that too. Oh, but shit. We are, we are really diving, diving on the wrong on people oh. right now. So we should, I'm going to rein Let's us in back. and save it for their episode because we do have an entire Sigmundus episode and yeah. Agnes and we can totally and talk Agnes, about that yeah. then. This is such good stuff. Let's. It's so good. 
Yeah. Let, let's definitely save the rest for the, the Agnes episode because now yeah. I can't wait to talk about this at yeah, length and go back too. through everything. Yeah. Me too. I will definitely re-listen to this when, when we get there so that I can remember the crazy mind hole I was falling <laughs> into. So I think we can move on now to uh, Peter and Bernadette, which are, is... I still want to talk about Doris because we talked more about Agnes than we did talk about Doris. And okay, I just, let's talk about you know, Doris. Like we, we talked about Doris a little bit, but I just want to say I love her. I think that she's such a strong character. And I, I, I do feel like I feel like Doris's actress was Martha in the future. So or in the oh, past. That's right. You did say like, that. I, mm-hmm. I would have liked to see that actress play future Martha. Mm. But she was so good as Doris that I think I think future Marta had such a smaller part. Yeah. So in that regard, you know, she was a she was a powerhouse of a character. And I think like I think she's a really important character, too, because not only does she come to a realization that the world around her is wrong, but then she does something about it. Yes. Which is like a micro and a macro level display in the show, which yes. we just discovered in last episode is a huge deal with hermeticism, right? That one of the main things about as above, so below is micro will mirror the macro. So now I'm going through and I'm looking at all of the characters in the show as in like, what do they represent on the macro scale? And I think Doris represents the something is not right. I know it's not right. And I'm going to ride or die for me for what's right for me. And I think that that's pretty cool. I think it's also a really beautiful thing for her character and why I think she is such a powerful character is because when we first meet her, she is not that way. She goes through a huge amount of growth and change in the time that we see her on screen. And she is one of the only characters in the show who I feel has agency or gives themselves agency over making a decision instead of continuing the secrets. You know, she's a Francisca almost where she, she literally says all these secrets, I can't live like this. I want a divorce. And I think it's one of the only instances in the show where someone is not completely tied to advancing or uh, stuck within within the timeline. Yeah. And if the timeline is an analogy for marriage in this one little moment that I'm using, <laughs> um, she divorces herself from that timeline. She goes like, yeah. I'm out. I can't live like this. Not interested. And I think that's super powerful, especially from Doris, who we see at the very beginning is rather tight within herself. Yeah. And I think what's really cool, too, is we do see character after character after character trapped in this you know, cycle or this timeline. And yes, her divorcing Aegon is part of that timeline, but she's one of the only characters that takes the pie for herself, I guess. She's mm-hmm. doing what Jonas wants to do, but in a short time. And we never see characters in TV shows, side characters that are, you know, do something for the. I'm using air quotes a lot right now, but because she's not a side character to me. But we don't, in, in terms of storytelling narratively, her story of leaving Aegon it serves a purpose. It's part of the plot, right? So normally in TV shows or books, when we see a character doing something that serves the plot, we don't get to see them have an entire arc. You know, we don't get to see them grow in the way that she grows. We don't get to see uh, an introverted, what would Aegon say to, I can't goodbye. Like in such a short amount of time. And I love it. I love that they gave that to us. I love that they didn't just have it be, you cheated on me and I'm leaving you. You know, they, they made it, they made it about her because she wouldn't have 
Yeah. Without Agnes, she would have ate it and been like, she would have never left him. Yeah. Well, she says, she says, because after she meets the unknown and the unknown says the heart does what it wants. Yeah. She, she, you know, says that line to Aegon and is like, I know what you've been up to. Uh, I'm aware of the other woman. And then he's like, I'm so sorry. And she's like, it's fine. The heart does what it wants. Yeah. Right. She just like shuts it down. I can't live like this and yeah. I want a divorce. And I, I also love that to some extent, it's sad that we never see her again, but it's also kind of beautiful that we never see her again because it means that she's no longer in the timeline. Yeah. Yep. She's no longer she's cycled in. She gets out. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. She gets herself out. So it's, yeah, she's bomb, man. Yeah. And I hope she goes find she goes and finds that sick roommate yep. and they live a beautiful life together. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I'm satisfied. I'm sorry. I just, I no. love her so much. I just wanted to talk about her more because I just love her. She's such a cool character. But yeah. Well, no, now no, I, I, I love her and I, I, I'm really upset. I'm upset, Acorn. You've upset me. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I upset myself. <laughs> no, but I, I love I that buy you started it, that too by being like, I was really disappointed to fall into this hole. Yeah. But I love that yeah. about us. We bring it to the table anyway. We talk about it anyway because it's like, you know, we don't want to blindly not see something that was put right in front of us. <laughs> we yeah. don't want to put on a yellow yeah. dress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Parade around in a yellow dress. So Peter and Bernadette, so, yeah. Peter and Bernadette. I love Peter and Bernadette. I love Peter and Bernadette so much. And I feel I feel as though they do not get the celebration that I feel that they deserve because I Bernadette agree. is consistently referred to as the trans sex worker in season one. And there is a lot of implication that that even if you read up on like wikis and stuff, it's like Peter has a sexual desire to be with this sex worker, you know, and it's yeah. all this sort of like he's he's doing the serenity prayer. He's like staring and looking at her and not going in. And it's sort of like I feel like from season one, it's not until later that, you know, it becomes clear, very clear to me. But I felt like people view Peter and his relationship with Bernadette initially as like a sexual compulsion. And it bothers me because I feel like it becomes very clear later on when they're with each other in other timelines and also just like, yeah, it's I don't not, know. It's not a sexual, it's one person. He it's wants not Bernadette. A, yeah. Yeah. It's not yes. a sexual deviancy. It is love for a person. And yeah. I'm just going to, you know, nip it in the bud and say that final scene where they're in the origin world and they're sitting next to each other at the table, they are glowing yeah. and they are so visibly happy together and it looks so right because they truly love each other and that is what it's all about yeah are you crying oh my god yes. i love you so much i love I'm you crying. so much i just i love them and even like when i was doing research for this episode it was like uh post after post referring to bernadette as the trans sex worker yeah instead of we like, should also address the the transvestite things and the the translation yes, errors and stuff like that. We should we should talk about that just a little bit. But go go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I think it's very clear that so first of all, they Peter is helping her get hormones, and after Peter stops helping her get hormones, Francisca's helping her get hormones. I noticed that the uh, Netflix guide for Dark, the one that has like the actual people, 
or the actual analysis of each character, which is something that I keep consistently going back to because it feels like a canon representation of things that they're giving us extra information for. Yeah. She's referred to as a transgender sex worker. Like she's referred to as a, a transgender woman. Um, mm-hmm. And they, you know, address that she is not receiving hormone therapy in the alternate world, in Ava's world. Um, but they do you know, address that she is still trans at the, in the origin world. She's Bernadette right. there. And um, so I think one of the things that we were confused about was she is in the credits, in the credits of the, in the first season, she is listed as transvestite. Yes. Um, which is, we, we've had discussions about this, the use of the word transvestite, the use of the word transvestite in German, in English translation. It's, you know, obviously, we want to be very careful when it comes to this topic because we don't want to, you know, misrepresent or misinform, mis- misplace, misrepresent. Yeah, yeah. So it is something that we noticed. She is, uh, she is listed as transvestite in the show credits, which we ended up all doing a deep dive on. Like, okay, what is, what is the status of LGBT like terminology? in Germany yeah. because it might be a translation issue. Unfortunately, I think I have found enough information that says that the term transvestite is still outdated here and should not necessarily be used for her. Um it is not a term. It was a is, mistake. I think yeah. it was a mistake, but yeah. Yeah. And just to to go briefly into these terms just for anyone who is not familiar, transvestite typically refers to someone who is male identifying, who gets pleasure out of dressing up in women's clothes. They still identify as a man to some extent. They may be queer in some way, but they enjoy dressing up. Now, transgender is someone who doesn't identify with their birth gender. They're biologically ascribed gender. So this could be someone in Bernadette's situation Bernadette was born as Benjamin as a biological male, but she identified as a woman. And so you can be of one gender and personally identify as another gender because that just doesn't match up physically. Now, what I've also learned is transsexual tends to be a little more delicate of a term because it's usually used in medical situations to describe the medical procedures that are done. So usually when you're interacting with a transgender person, they are the ones who will give you an idea of what they want to be referred to as. Transsexual, if someone personally identifies as a transsexual, great, use that term. Otherwise, it can be delicate because there's a lot of emphasis put on physical parts. And I'm just going to throw it out there. I think it's ridiculous that people are so caught up on just the body parts hanging off of your body or on your body. It's the way that people feel inside. Our mental health is so important. But, you know, transsexual can sometimes be harmful emotionally for people because it puts so much emphasis on being, quote unquote, whole. You've achieved this thing that society views you as. But there are transgender people who live perfectly full lives, you know, outwardly identifying or appearing as a woman, but still having quote unquote male parts. And that's totally fine. It's who they are as people. That's most important. Thank you for saying that, Acorn. I think that distinction is incredibly important. I think the most important thing is just doing your best, respecting everybody and, 
you know, when when you get it wrong or make a mistake, just course correct and do your best for people. Mm -hmm. I think the reason why I got so emotional is because I, I do. I think Bernadette and Peter are a couple who are trying to fix trying to pull the timeline together so that they can be whole. I think they are truly in love with each other. I, he loves Bernadette. We see it in every timeline, regardless of her appearance, regardless of her representing yeah, like her, yeah. her gender expression, rather. He loves mm. her exactly as she is. And that is yes. like the most beautiful thing to me. Yeah, like that scene when um he's in the, is it the alt world where he's in the church? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And it's that's Bernad that's Bernadette, but as Benjamin. Yeah. So if you yeah. didn't catch that, because I don't think I caught that right away in the beginning. But that's that's them still finding a way to talk or be together. Yeah, and he's even a yeah. priest in that one. Yeah, 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 a priest at St. Christopher's Church. Yeah. What I think is really beautiful about their relationship is that the show tells the story behind the scenes. Yep. You know, totally. Yes, it does. We get we get so few scenes with Peter and Bernadette together. Yeah, but they still manage to tell their tale. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think what also is super beautiful uh, in the way that the show handled it was that. Wait, what? Wait a minute. What's happening? Yeah, we see them. We see them together in that one scene where they're in the church in the alt world. But the only other time we see them together is in the end when they've been made whole. Is that correct? It's There's true. one extra scene. There's one extra scene when I think he comes to her trailer and it's kind of a tense moment Yeah, because he came there because he had to ask her something that's related to the investigation or whatever. And it was tense because she was like, oh, welcome back. And it's kind of like standoffish. And he's incredibly uncomfortable. And I forget what they say in that scene, but that's the only other time that I can remember, too. Because I found out that he had stopped seeing her a year prior. Yeah. So he was, right. you know, spending a year away from her that whole time which is like so brutal man like charlotte's great i love charlotte but just get a divorce go be with bernadette she didn't fucking love him anyway <laughs> no. Sorry. no i also no. love charlotte but like let's just talk about that for a second charlotte is so closed off to everyone in her life emotionally she doesn't see it for what it is which is yeah. that he loves someone else you need to let him go right Exactly. You know, what's awful, too, is when she calls him and says, do you have anything to do with the children missing? And his reaction of just like, I can't believe you're asking me that. Yeah. You know, yep. that's super fucked up. She treats him like shit. But we'll talk about that she more does. on her episode. But like she treats him like <laughs> shit and he takes it like a champ because he feels like he is doing something wrong by loving Bernadette. Yeah. And yeah, they, yeah. they were they were cheating and having an affair. But I think the reason we see him as a priest in one world. And we see him reciting the Lord's Prayer in the other in regards to Bernadette is because he feels that it is just a, a very big sin and that he, you know, needs to be, you know, it's that same thing with Doris. He needs to punish himself or, you know, I need to right this wrong. I need to make this marriage work because I can never be with Bernadette. And I think she treats him like shit. And then the fact to imply, and that's what's happening in that scene, is yeah. she's implying your desire is sexual deviancy, which is what Acorn yeah. just mentioned. And it's a huge, it's a huge issue that has, it's a prejudice that has stemmed for a very long time that if you yes. want to yeah. sleep with other men, you also like children. You also yeah. like this. It's like that used to all be wrapped into one, like, Oh, 
you know, you're, I forgot you're about home, that. You're a homosexual. <laughs> you are probably yep. a pedophile too. And they used to marry it hand in hand. Yep. And so the fact I mean, that they still do, well, they place. still do, yeah. but it, it's some, a lot more. It, it's much better now. Yeah, it's, yeah it is much better now. Come. But it was like a, it, I would say it was a common place thought back, you know, in the 80s versus, yeah. you know, now where it's uh, hopefully you know, the general public doesn't just assume they go hand in hand together. But, uh, you know, maybe that's my rose colored glasses. Pink, pink, rose colored glasses. Pink. Yeah. Shut up. What are you thinking? Pink. Is that what they are using pink to mean? The rose colored glasses. glasses. Sorry. Sorry. Like idealism. Yes. Maybe it or... means some sort of purity. Yes. I think it might I mean think it like might just be purity. I, it's so, I think it, I, oh my God, I'm going to say like it is the pure, because here's yeah, the thing. It's the purest then that's what it means. Of the world. It's the yes, purest division. Oh my God. Then, you know what? Bernadette is, Bernadette <laughs> is living her true ass self. Yep. Yes. And she's wearing a bright pink sweater and she, she just is honest and no one else is. I wonder if pink is honesty then as well. Purity yeah. and honesty and like you know sort of your rosy glasses it, I mean, usually you say rose colored glasses when you're trying to deceive yourself and you're only seeing the world that way but like it's like a naivety yeah it is it's a little bit of innocence and and uh, being naive but i think like i think it could also just mean it's the innocent they are the innocent they are the ones that yeah. are untouched by the timeline they are the true innocence man that's yeah. flipping awesome oh my god yeah um sorry i was saying something and then i distracted myself what was I saying before I was like rose colored glasses? Oh God. I was so entranced by your excitement about rose colored glasses that I immediately <laughs> forgot. It's just because my brain went multiple places. Oh yeah. yeah. The, the, that's what Charlotte's saying in that scene. Yeah, it is. She's implying that, you know, because you were in this affair and because you're a homosexual, you probably had something to do with these missing children and the disgust right. on his face. when Oh God. I didn't put that together. Yeah. Well, the question is, I guess, if you, if you want to like, I wonder if maybe Peter is more pan because Peter is yeah. with Bernadette regardless of gender expression. Right. I've wondered that too, either pan romantic or pansexual in that he's attracted to the person regardless yeah. of their their personal identification, their way they, they present themselves to the world. He falls in love with a person. And I think so just because of the way that he looks at her and the way that he acts. Yeah. There, It's just, it's so completely free. It's like he has found his person and there's just so such pure joy in that. Yeah. You can see it on his face. Yeah. Like only at the end though. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. I, I want to thank you for bringing that up, peeps, about that phone call, because when I watched that, that's exactly what I got from that phone call. And I was unsure as to whether or not to bring it up. But honestly, that that is the vibe that Charlotte is giving off. Oh, 100 percent. And it's and it's, it's based off painful. of that. Yeah, it's very painful. Yeah. And it's based off of that old prejudice, that inaccurate marriage of the two and the, the sexual deviancy. Right. Yeah. It just shows how little Charlotte understands Peter in that moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How little or, how little work she did to understand exactly what happened with Peter and Bernadette. And like, and just I don't want to dog on I don't want to dog on Charlotte because I don't I mean, yes, she's fucking terrible in that moment and their marriage and they're not she's angry that she's been cheated on, but she lives in her anger and she refuses to emotionally open up to deal yeah. with it. She's yeah. like, you know, you can't see Bernadette anymore. You have to do this thing and show the sacrifice 
to save our marriage yet she won't make the sacrifice of emotionally talking about it and opening up yeah because he keeps saying well are we going to talk about it he yeah. keeps begging her like i am basically punishing myself showing you i'm okay to do this for the sake of this marriage but she refuses to be emotionally vulnerable and just be like, you hurt me, you know? And so the only way she, she expresses that is by hurting him, like by biting yeah. him in the way that she was bitten. And it's like, again, it's such a real, it's such a yeah. real depiction of someone yes. who is emotionally unavailable, their reaction to bite yep. instead of sit down and say, you hurt me and I'm going to cry about it. Charlotte never cried about this. She just bottled yeah. it up, you know? And yeah. I think... <laughs> Yeah, I think it's crazy. But also, if I'm not mistaken, we don't know exactly what has happened yet. Correct. In that scene, when he, when she says, did you have anything to do with the missing kids? We don't know that he cheated with Bernadette yet. Correct. No, it's so it's that true. when I saw that scene, I was like, oh, he gay. You know, like I that's because she made that distinction and was like, you know, did you have anything to do with the kids? And I went, oh, I see. He's like. Yeah, you know, rep yeah. repressing something and she's very angry about it. I see. Yeah, I see. I think it's also just like a beautiful representation in the origin world. Just what a gift it was to see that for like, I was yeah. so thrilled to see in the origin world that they were there sitting at a table together. Benny is Bernadette. Like Bernadette is is who she is in that final scene. She's whole. She's whole. Yeah. You know, and she's lively and she's making jokes and just the energy in that scene is just so beautiful that, yeah. It's so good. It's so good. Do we, do we have anything else to yeah, cover? Yeah, honestly, I feel like that's I feel like we're good. Yeah. yeah. I feel like we're good. Yeah, me that too. Was, that was solid. Y'all are the flipping best. I love that we can talk about this. Also, I really appreciate Acorn, you taking the stand there and being like, this is important. Yeah. Um, because yeah, I, I no, do. I think it's super important. I do feel like it's something the show got wrong. And I was really dis we were all when we found it, I think, really disappointed that they just kind of mislabeled without doing the research as to what she should be. It called. does change. Thankfully, the later credits update it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think what they were trying to do, I think maybe it's a case of the Katarina situation where they just don't have Katarina at the end. I think they're trying to give plot information. Uh, they're trying to reveal or they're trying not to reveal that Bernadette is like an actual character or something in the beginning. And so they say transect. I think the actual credit, let me just double, triple check what the actual credit yep. is. I believe it's transsexual prostitute. Pretty sure she's I think listed now that as... we're talking about it. Yeah. We found transvestite in yeah. a different website. It's IMDb. Yeah. So I want to apologize for that. Uh, yeah. Um, that's what it was. IMDb or something. Was it transvestite on IMDb? I'm pretty Let sure it's transvestite somewhere. That's why we went on our whole tirade, but it's just worth mentioning. That's all. Okay. So on IMDb, on the dark IMDb, uh, the actor is Anton Rubstoff. Bernadette is credited as Benny, Bernadette, and transvestite Benny. Just remember when we first dove into it, it feels like I remember being a bit disappointed by that, but you can't get everything right. And also the person who does the credits isn't this, you know, or the translation, because I think the subtitles list it that way too. So I will also note, however, that the dark guide, the official Netflix dark guide refers to her as a sex worker instead of prostitute. Which is good. Yeah. And I believe also refers to her as yeah, Bernadette is a trans woman who is still transitioning. She used to get prescriptions for hormone therapy from Peter Doppler, but now his daughter Francisca supplies them in exchange for money. So I think that's an important distinction there to make. 
Yeah. And that's, and that's accurate. That's, yes. you know, sex worker is a more inclusive term. It's less uh, defamatory. And that's literally what's happening. Also, I just want to say, you know, I've done research. I've, I'm very interested in like subcultures and different um, backgrounds and, and that kind of thing. And I've brought it up before where I love watching like videos and, and just learning about different people's walks of life. And so I just want to say to anyone of our listeners who is trans, who may be listening, I apologize if I got any of the terms incorrect. I'm tried my best to explain it because I think it's really important to be able to explain the different distinctions between words and you know words have power words are important words, words have can, power. can hurt us yeah yeah so i think it's important to get correct and for anyone who is uh not trans who is maybe interested in it i do highly recommend a show on netflix called pose it's about the uh ballroom scene in the 1980s in new york and follows a lot of trans characters and i think it's i've heard that it's actually a huge a big deal in the trans community because there were a lot of trans producers, directors, actors, uh, and people on the cast and the the crew who are trans. And so it's a very authentic trans story. And so I recommend that. It's a great show. Uh, I would also recommend Sense8. Uh, trans lead yes, actress. Sense8 is great. And written by trans writers. So yeah, it's another really, really, really good mm. show. But Acorn, for the, those listening can't see the tears welling up in Acorn's eyes when she said, I tried my best. I hope I did right by you. You did a beautiful job and thank you for saying something. I think it was very important. Yeah. I'm so proud of us. Every episode, I'm so proud because we don't, you know, we bring up the stuff we don't want to talk about, like, you know, Agnes potentially lying to Doris, but we bring up the stuff that we know is yeah. important yeah. and will mean something to somebody too. So, yeah, I'm proud yeah. of you. Thank you. I know you're, I'm tearing up again. Thanks. <laughs> um, a final, a final thing is disclosure. It's another documentary yes. on Netflix yeah. that is great about uh, the trans experience. I also like, uh, would like to recommend another documentary. Uh, it's called Paris is Burning. Um, it's oh, also God, yeah. about ball culture. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's, it's a really astounding doc. It's really beautiful and definitely, definitely worth seeing. And thank you for taking the time to listen. You know, this episode, a lot of times people, when they hear stuff and they'll just turn it off or they'll, you know, if it doesn't follow what they think originally, they just block it out. So if you are still listening and you are writing these things down or you're going to go to our show notes and you're going to watch and you're going to uh, educate yourself, that is the greatest gift. I think the representation was beautiful and very important. And I was happy and surprised to see that Peter was sitting beside Bernadette in that final scene. It meant a lot. Yeah, me too. Shall we do some shout outs? Yeah. Wrap yeah, up let's there. Do some yeah. Shout outs. yeah. Acorn, would you like to go? Yeah, I'll go first. Um, I'm Acorn Bandit and you can find me on online and on Twitter at Acorn Bandit and also at Joyson Studio. That's J-O-I-S-A-N-S. I make enamel pins and I'm also on another podcast here on the Geek Generation Network, which is Avatar the Podcast. And, um, you know, speaking about representation, that is such a great show that includes so many different cultures. One of the main characters is blind and it's a beautiful representation of that. And I know for a fact that we have at least one trans listener. So I think a part of my conviction to speak about it or at least bring awareness to it is because I know that there are people listening to at least the other podcasts that I do. And so I wanted to, you know, acknowledge that. But you can find me online at joysons.com. 
And if you specifically want to see where all my links are, you can go to joysons.com slash pages slash acorn. Thanks. Beautiful. PB? And I'm Pumpkinberry or PB. And you can find me at Twitter at Pumpkinberry. You can also find uh, all the crazy stuff that I do online at pumpkinberry.tv. But the main thing I'll probably shout out is a really cool dark vampire show that's been going on for Halloween that I am in uh, on Table Story. It's improvised. There's no script. And it's wildly good. It's like very political. It's like watching, I want to say chess players, but verbal mental chess players play with each other. And um, yeah. And by political, I mean, like it's vampire politics. So it's everyone trying to navigate uh, each other and get one up on the other person. And it's, it's really clever and fun. Uh, And that you can find at tablestory.tv slash leech. Thank you. It's so good. (laughs) Yeah, it's so good. Hi, I'm Murgles. I'm making an animated film on Twitch. If you are interested in how animated films get made, you can come see me do that at twitch.tv slash Murgles. I'm also on Twitter, Murgles. Uh, I'm also in that sick show uh, called Leech. So do check it out, please. It makes our day that people enjoy it. I regularly go to read all the comments on the YouTube because it's also on YouTube. If you want to check it out there on Table Story on YouTube, it makes my day to see people enjoying it. So go enjoy it. Um, anyway, thank you so much. <laughs> I don't know what's happening to me. <laughs> Shoutouts are the worst sometimes. Oh, yeah. So thank you so much for diving into dark with us. We hope you've enjoyed it. Of course, if we missed anything, you can tweet at us individually. You can also tweet at Radio Winden or use the hashtag Dark Companion Pod. You can also email us at darkcompanionpod at gmail.com if you would like to join our conversation. Of course, special thanks to Johnny Caballero for letting us use the beautiful cover art. You can find him on Twitter at Johnny Knight, and that is spelled J-H-O-N-Y-K-N-I-G-H-T. We're also proudly part of the Geek Generation Network, and you can find more awesome podcast-related cool things like TV, comics, and movies at thegeekgeneration.com. Thank you so much for diving into Dark with us. Uh, We'll be back next Thursday with episode 13, which is... On Ariadne's Thread. (gasps) That's me! Oh, that's mine, you. right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh. Heck yes. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.